Welcome to the Governor's Podcast with me, Mike Simmons, and with me, Dawn Harrison. Great to see you again, Dawn, after the Christmas break. I suppose I need to say the Governor's Podcast is a partnership between the Diocese of Chichester, Chelmsford and Liverpool, but is suitable and appropriate for governors from any diocese across all Church of England schools. So spread the word and have people sign up on their provider to watch and or to listen to this podcast uh, regularly. Well, it's probably a bit late for wishing you, Dawn, and our listeners a happy new year, but happy new year. It's never too late. We're still in January, Mike. So happy new year to you and to all our listeners. We are still in January, but I'm hearing that people feel January is going on forever. Oh, it uh, is. This morning, Carrie Pryor, the Chelmsford Diocesan Director of Education, shared a p- poem with her team, and it goes like this. 30 days hath September, April, June and November. Unless a leap year is its fate, February hath 28. All the rest hath three days more, excepting January, which hath 6,184. <laughs> <laughs> That's from uh, someone called Brian Bilston. Seems a very long month and uh, we're already facing challenges within governance and in our schools and our own personal lives, not least keeping warm in this very cold spell. We're recording on Friday the 19th, so uh, in the midst of this very deep cold spell. Have you got snow up there in Liverpool? Uh, we had at the beginning of the week snow, uh, Mike. Now we just have about temperatures of about two or three. I was out first thing this morning and the car said two degrees. It's just too cold. Very too cold. cold. Well, how is your month turning out, Dawn? Um, I love that uh, poem from Brian Bilson. I've seen it around a few places uh, in the last uh, 19 days, although it does feel that we're on at least uh, day 4,050. Because, um, yeah, January is turning out to be a very busy month. Um, but one of the things I am loving doing at the moment, um, I'm doing it with a couple of schools, doing some visioning work, uh, trying to help them revision what they want to be known for in the next three years and put a strategic plan together. And it's so um, enriching and life-giving and it's brilliant to see um, the journey that governors um, are prepared to start and prepared to go on. So even in a busy month, there is some um, excitement and life. What about you, Mike? What's on your mind? I've got three things that I could talk about for the next 10 minutes or so um, with you interjecting. Okay, please go for it. Uh, I think the first is, unfortunately, maybe, Ofsted. Mm. It will, will affect, this will affect and has affected how we as governing bodies need to think and plan and prepare and uh, and so on. I suppose uh, governors will be aware that inspections have been paused until Monday the 22nd of January while some training was undertaken for uh, mental health and uh, helping inspectors to uh, respond to signs of distress in school leaders. This is the initiative of the new Ofsted chief, Sir Martin Oliver, who started, I think, at the beginning of the year. And today, as we record, is the day when he and Ofsted have published their formal response to uh, the death of headteacher Ruth Perry. I think a lot of us have been waiting to find out what is it they're going to do uh, in response to that tragedy and many others who suffered if not quite as badly, certainly have 
had poor experiences through their inspections. And he set out, um, or they have set out under in the Prevention of Future Deaths report in response to the coroner uh, report, report after report, but hopefully it leads to some things that will really change, is not only this, the training that I've just mentioned, but he says, or they say that um, they want a clear and simple process for schools who have concerns about a, an inspection to speak to an unconnected senior Ofsted employee. I think that's really could be very helpful on the ground at the time. They want a new policy on pausing an inspection, why that might be and what that looks like. They are setting up an expert reference group to look at, at leaders and staff well-being to support that whole area and appointing an independent expert to lead a learning review of Ofsted's response. So much uh, that they set out they will do, uh, but also have a uh, what they're calling the big listen. Uh, so Ofsted want to hear directly from parents, leaders and professionals about the current approach and what changes might be made in the future. So a lot of thinking and listening and uh, considering mm. to go on over the next, well, they don't say where, how long, but I imagine months, mm. uh, if not, hopefully not years. Um, and into the midst of all of that, what they're not saying, but others are saying, um, how can we, how can they separate safeguarding out of leadership and management in the inspection regime and report? I think actually Ofsted have been talking about that as a possibility, but the education media has been highlighting that as a, as po a possible way forward in the future. And secondly, there are calls to, I would say, follow the SIAM's lead and do away with one word judgments. There's a lot of uh, traction for that thought, but whether or not Ofsted will respond and ultimately the government in making decisions about this, because the government of the day will need to do that um, for it to for, for things to change. Um, we'll have to wait and see. These these are early days. I suppose we're going to need patience and at the risk of sounding party political, it probably will take the next government to make the massive changes that may come out of all of this reviewing and considering and so on. Um, yeah, I'd ask that governors think about responding to the Big Listen initiative when it does uh, hit our screens, as it were, through whatever means they use to get the word out, because this will be our opportunity to uh, represent our experience to Ofsted um, looking to find ways of making changes. So that's kind of the case. That's what's going on uh, into the future. Dawn, do you have any uh, thoughts on this need and this Ofsted journey? Yeah, it was interesting. One of the first headlines on the BBC News app this morning was Ofsted sorry for its role in Ruth Perry suicide. It then went on to say Ofsted has apologised fully for the first time for the role it played in Ruth Perry's suicide. And it was that word sorry that um, jumped out to me this morning as I had my coffee um, and thought, you know what, sorry. What do we mean as Christians when we say we're sorry? Well, as, as a Christian, if I say I'm sorry, I mean that shouldn't have happened and I'm going to work to the best of my abilities for that not to happen. 
Uh, that's for me as a Christian, if I say sorry. But actually our schools do this. Our schools have forgiveness as a Christian value. Um, governors know if their schools have got forgiveness, we will be modelling sorry in our, hopefully we're modelling being sorry in our schools and um, in our governing body meetings. So it was just a, it was an interesting word that um, jumped out to me uh, this morning. But I do think, I do agree with you, Mike, um, that if governors, when governors hear about the Big Listen initiative, um, really it is our time and our moment to to respond if governors are able to. Um, if we're being asked for our opinion, um, then I agree with you, Mike, let's, let's give, let's um, respond to that. Yeah, I love all that on the sorry and forgiveness and new ways response. Um, it's kind of what the word repentance means, isn't it? Mm, yeah. But I do find sometimes schools and things like their behaviour policy um, need to reflect on whether the possibility of forgiveness through being sorry is built into the process. That's, that's for another discussion, maybe. But it is definitely a longer discussion. But but it's often missing, I think, in in how we think we're going to be. We're treating our children, or expect them to uh, respond. More, even more complex when it comes to staff and mm. codes of conduct. So maybe we'll put put that into a, another podcast in the future. I said there were three things. The second is um, I've been focusing a little in some writing I've done to both uh, Chichester and Chelmsford Diocese on succession planning for roles especially chairs i've written to them to say this needs to occupy our minds and frankly it doesn't do so enough and partly that's come about because i am dealing with some situations where no one is willing to stand or perhaps to be fair to them has the capacity to stand either immediately or even come the autumn term a governing body really cannot operate without a chair just can't happen somebody has to be chair but the other aspect of that is neither should a chair stay in post forever that's my view mm, it's also the view of the nga they recommend that you don't stay as chair for longer than six years which means whether six is the optimum time or not we should be working towards having a clear succession plan which might mean we need to specifically recruit someone with the necessary skills for the future for either this next September or this next year, the following year, rather. I think sometimes this is the elephant in the room. No one likes to think that an effective chair, I'm making an assumption on effectiveness because sometimes they're not always effective, but still we don't like to think of them having a limited tenure in the role. But I, I just want to recommend, and I hope you agree with me, Dawn, that this is exactly what should be understood year on year, that it is a time-limited role, whatever time limit you put onto it. So it begs the question, who is undertaking the training for being a chair? Whether or not they become a chair in the future. You know, I said, well, what's the point of doing it if you're never going to become chair? Well, you'll more deeply understand governance. There's no question about mm. that. But secondly, it's personal development. And you never know what, as a transferable skill, training as a chair of governors might bring to you as a person and potentially to your governing body. So I, I just have to reiterate, this is something not to ignore. 
it really is necessary to begin to think about what this looks like for you and your governing body and ask your governance advisor i suppose that's you and me and our three uh, dioceses for help support guidance ideas we're here for that reason but i am sure despite what i've said or maybe in as well as what i've said you've got some wisdom on this important area dawn I think you're right, Mike, that we don't talk about succession planning enough. Um, I certainly in Liverpool talk about succession planning as a live conversation. It should be something that governors are always talking about. That's not because we don't value who is the current vice chair or who is the current chair, but it's about valuing the role and valuing the governing body and actually valuing the people that are currently in the chair or the vice chair to enable them to set this down and to grow somebody else. Um, And I also talk a lot about shadowing. Um, If you think that somebody on your governing body might one day be a chair, get them to come and sit in on meetings, get them to come and sit in on your planning meeting, ask the head if they can come and sit in on that on that one-to-one with the head, see if the clerk will let them sit in when they when you meet with the clerk to plan the meeting. So in a way, for me, shadowing, I think, helps to debug and demystify some of the roles of a chair and a vice chair and hopefully will encourage others um, to take on the role. But I massively agree with you, Mike, that um, we don't talk about it enough. We don't talk about succession planning enough. And the more we talk about it, I think the better equipped our governing bodies uh, our governing bodies will be. Um, should we just pray for our governing bodies that they will have the confidence to actually have these conversations? Yeah, that's a good plan. Let's, let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all those whom you have called, who have answered the call to be on governing bodies. We thank you for all the amazing work that they do, especially those who you call to chair and to vice chair. We pray, Lord, that you will give people and governing bodies the confidence to bring up the conversation of succession planning and that you will give them wisdom and discernment as to how to grow individuals. And if that means contacting dioceses or clerks, that you make it easy for them to make those calls and that those whom they call respond positively. For we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Did you say you had three areas to share, Mike? I did, yes. Uh, And my third one is, the first one was Ofsted, second one was chairing or succession planning, and the third one is uh, what are you reading? I've got some things to share, but what have you been reading recently that might be relevant? I have not quite finished, or but I, I'm uh, almost finished reading through um, Do Nothing to Change Your Life uh, by um, Stephen Cottrell. Um, ah. and, yeah, and in it he talks about doing a, a secondary school uh, collective worship and not entirely sure what he was walking to the, the school that morning, not entirely sure what he was going to do. Um, and I'll, you know, he does obviously it's his story, so he tells it better. But what he ended up doing um, was um, putting a chair at the front, so secondary school, so quite a lot of pupils, and just said, you know, life's really busy. You probably had lots of technology thrown at you already, and it's barely nine o'clock. So let's just sit. 
and be still in silence. And he got a round of applause. Uh, and then he goes on to, but do do read the story because um, it's it certainly made me think about um, my time and and how much screens and noises I've got coming uh, coming at me. But what about you, Mike? You asked the question, so I'll ask it. Yeah. Back. What are you reading? Okay, I'll just go back to that Stephen Cottrell story because I've heard him say it live, and you oh. said it almost as well. Oh no, he must do it better. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, how important it goes with my one of my favorite leadership books, Hit the Ground Kneeling. Yes. Uh, it's all about that kind of sense of pausing and reflecting. So important. Well, I, I've just been reading a book called The Life and Work of a Priest, which mm. may sound like it's only relevant to the clergy, but there's so much in that book that has been illuminating in terms of how we live as Christians as well as those who are clergy persons. And I want to read you a quote and then just comment on it. Um, it is as if God is the supreme artist who invites us into his studio. He gives us a huge choice of paints and some rough sketches of what he's after. For example, the Sermon on the Mount or the glimpses we get in the parables. He promises to be constantly available as tutor, advisor and friend. And then he says, let's paint because this is a long-term project, he also appoints a few people to act as conveners of the painting workshop, not because they're any better at painting than anyone else, but simply because he calls them. And so we get on with the Great Commission, not painting by numbers, but rather painting after the style of Christ, <laughs> the artist's equally gifted son. I just love that picture of what we're involved in, not because I'm a great artist, I can't, can't paint for, for the life of me, but because it says to me, actually, as a foundation governor or a Christian in any context, we have an amazing array of resources in the Bible, the teaching we receive from the Bible in different ways, even the book that was just mentioned. And, and imagine how it happens sometimes in our governing boards, that as we live out that faith, as we paint after the style of, the, of Christ, as the writer puts it, we can influence people by writing or by painting or speaking or leading or mm. in some way impacting the lives of the children in our school this year. Does that suggest any of that to you, Dawn? Mm. I liked the line, um, he also appoints a few people to act as conveners of the painting workshop not because they're any better at painting than anyone else, but simply because he... And that idea that we may think there's other people on the governing body with more experience or more wisdom or more knowledge, um, but actually it doesn't matter. We've all got different gifts. We've all got different skills. I, I share the same gift as you, Mike, of not being able to paint at all. Um, but it doesn't matter no. because I've got we've all got different gifts and skills and that's the same... For our governing bodies, if we are all called into a role, and God, God will, God pulls. Did you? So that was my thoughts. Did you have a second quote? Yeah, it's this one. All the people mm. of God are theologians. Mm. We all have a working theology, which may or may not be articulated in systematic ways, but it is nevertheless effectively the basis of our prayers and our discipleship. I'm so grateful to read that because in my SIAMS training, I tried to suggest that all governors and, for, and foundation governors especially 
or to have something to offer into the discussion and development of a theologically rooted Christian vision, because we're all theologians. Mm -hmm. I know this presupposes a living Christian faith informed by growing an understanding of God, his son, the scriptures enabled by the Holy Spirit. But isn't that what it is about being a disciple or being a follower of Jesus? So we have something to offer in the context of, of this. And maybe it just challenges us. If we're going to contribute to that uh, discussion around theological Christian vision, we need a little bit more grounding or understanding mm -hmm. from Scripture, or at least a daily habit of reading. I try to use the lectionary morning prayer readings most days, and sometimes, sometimes they're a bit long for the time available. But when I can, I tell you, they always reveal something. So this morning I read the account in Genesis where God sent a reminder of his promise never to flood the world again. And then I read the parable of talents, a reminder to be faithful with the gifts that God has given me. Were either of those things relevant to governance? Absolutely. If I'm someone who seeks to live in the light of the promises of God, which a rainbow is all about, it gives me confidence in the God who's revealed in Jesus to provide or to develop all the possibilities of discovering life in all its fullness, which is the Church of England's vision for our schools. And at the same time, we hold in our hands the present and future lives of the children in our schools. And I ask myself, as I ask you to ask yourself, am I striving to be faithful to the gift that God has given, demonstrating that with commitment, with wisdom and integrity? I know that's quite deep thinking, but worth taking some time to reflect on. Our time is just about gone. So I'll give you the other quote I had up my sleeve. Where is God in all this? Which might lead on to asking, what's the most godly action we could take here? Imagine if that was put against every agenda action. Might make some for some different and perhaps interesting thinking about the discussion and any decisions we may make. So one further thought from you, Dawn, seeing as I've done too much talking on this episode, and that, then we can close with a prayer. I think I agree with you that um, all, I love that quote, all, pe all the people of God are theologians. And actually, if you think about what the word theologian means, it's actually just, it's the study of God. It's about people, individuals wanting to find out more about God. And actually making sure that God is front and center of everything that um, that we do. So as governors, you know, where is God in this meeting? Are we responding Christianly to this uh, policy, to this situation? Um, but yeah, studying God, studying, being, getting to know the heart of God more and what God wants for um, what, what God wants for our school. Can't go wrong with that, can you? I don't think so. Seeing as you prayed earlier, maybe I'll close with uh, the collect for today. Go for it. For today. Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace. And in the renewal of our lives, make known your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. 
As we close, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us what you think of this episode. Ask some questions. We'd value your questions for future podcasts. Send them into my email address, mike.simmons at chichester.anglican.org. Meanwhile, uh, we hope the rest of your day and weekend and the rest of January um, goes well. We'll try to uh, do a podcast in February, but half term might make it difficult. So it could be um, uh, first at the beginning of March. But thanks for listening and goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. <laughs>